Hey Fellowship family, welcome to my home. I feel like Mr. Rogers here inviting you into my house and I'm actually gonna take off my shoes and so show you my shoes in just a little bit. It's great to have you here and you just think about um, the last two weeks and all the changes, all the upheavals of, of our activities, our routines, our schedules, even our expectations have changed so quickly. Yet, we're still here, right? We're still Fellowship Bible Church. We're being the church, helping people find and follow Jesus Christ. And instead of op obstacles, I've really tried to focus on the opportunities that God is providing us that we would never have if there wasn't the coronavirus. And I know that seems kind of odd, but it's really helped us as a church because God is not thwarted by this crisis. It's not. He's not. He's moving. He's acting. And all the attention of the world right now is on this virus that is reaping havoc across our world. I don't know if there's ever been a time when our entire world is focused on one thing, and yet God is working and he's moving and he's acting. and He doesn't waste a crisis. Even in the midst of this evil virus, there's these, the goodness of God is being revealed. And so I think about that. I think about that and I think about Sarah Mullen. I don't know if you know her, but she's uh, part of our fellowship family. That's Sarah and her family. And Sarah works in our outreach ministry and uh, serves in that and has a heart for international students. And did you know there's over 100 international students at Washburn University? A lot of them are from China or Japan or even Saudi Arabia. And so when this coronavirus came in and those countries were affected by that and Washburn canceled classes, many of them went home. And Sarah started thinking, how can I help them? Because she was involved in, a, in the Friends Network that came alongside of international students and loved them with the love of Jesus. And so she got her community group together and she did two things. Number one, for the students who left, they had all their belongings. They didn't know what to do. Well, she and her husband, Ryan, opened up her basement and they stored all their belongings, as many as their basement could hold, of international students because she was just meeting a need. And then the second thing she did is for the students who decided to stay, stay here in the U.S., she really had a care package. She developed a care package for them. So she went out shopping with her community group, and they all joined together and started serving in this capacity. And she went out and she bought all these different items. I don't know if you can see that, but that's what my best I can do. That's, that's all those items. And a lot of those items had limits on them. And so she went to the store manager and said, hey, I, I'm doing this for international students. And he really got, or the store manager said, just do it. Just take it. And they even had a special line for them to check out. And people just rising to the occasion. And so you think about just the opportunities that we have to make Jesus greater, to serve people around us, to love people like Jesus loves them in the midst of the crisis. I'm really just proud of you as a church family. I mean, all the opportunities that, that uh, Jeremy Wynn has told me in outreach that the city or the school system or the rescue mission asked of us, more than enough people showed up and made that happen. And some of you even took your places of, of employment and are, are working there and serving people. Maury Decker, I know who you are. You worked with other uh, elementary teachers at Wanamaker Elementary, that church that's right next door to us. And you drove around neighborhoods and you, you greeted your kids with social distancing, trying to make something joyful out of this. And what did CBS News do? They picked it up on their national feed 
and you made national news just because you thought of an opportunity right in front of you. And I think about over the next several days and weeks, we're going to have more of these opportunities. Seize them. Take advantage of them. Don't waste a crisis to make Jesus greater. So I think about this weekend, and you know we're in this safe at, safer at home order by our city officials. And I think we're only on day three and four of this over this weekend. So here we are at home. We're together, day three and four of 30, of 30 days. So in the midst of this, how do we live well with each other and not lose our minds? I mean, this is, we've never done this. But the word that we've been talking about these past few weeks is going to be the word that God uses to guide us because it's who he is and it's who he calls us to be. That word is patience. We are going to be people that over the next 26, 27 days, God is going to grow us in patience if we'll seize the opportunity. And what did we define patience as? We saw it as slow to anger and abounding in love. Why? Because that's who God is. God is slow to anger and abounding in love. When the ancient Hebrew people talked about God and anyone asked them, who is God? They would go, God is slow to anger and abounding in love. God is patient. It's who God is. It's who God is with us. It's who God, it's what God's will is for me. And it's God's way for our relationships. This is how God is going to develop us over the next 26, 27 days. So I want to look at a passage that I hope will guide you because whenever we, whenever we get into the word of God, the Spirit of God is going to take that into our lives and He's going to work in the people of God and transformation happens. That's how the Word of God is empowered and moves through our lives as we follow Jesus empowered by the Holy Spirit. So I want you to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, which I hope you do, um, if not, go up and get it. I was just about to say you can go up and get them in the back, but we're not a church. So Go in your room or grab uh, an electronic version of it and get into 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And we're going to start with verse 12. I'll wait. Okay, you all here? All right, so let's take a look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12. Okay, so Paul writes this. He says, We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Okay, so the word I want to look at, someone just rang my doorbell, but we're going to keep going and ignore them. Are you okay with that? My dogs are barking. Welcome to my house. Okay, so 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14 is the key verse. We're going to spend the rest of this time on this key verse. It's a short verse, but it's packed. It's packed. Okay, it says, And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, Encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. So who are we to be patient with here? Those who are idle 
those who are faint-hearted and those who are weak. And we're to be slow to anger and abounding in love. So this word that, that calls us to be patient with them all is a Greek word. It's, it's called macrothymia. And it actually takes two words, two English words to, to describe it. If you've heard of that word macro, like I did business, so I remember macroeconomics. And that's the long or the big, the wide angle picture of economics. Microeconomics or even microbiology, that goes into smaller things. But this is a longer, larger picture. And then thymia is suffering. So you put those together and it means long suffering. And you think about what God is doing here. He's building in a long suffering trait or character trait in our lives, which means God's not about the sprint. He's about the long distance run. He's about the marathon. And patience allows God to work in the lives of people and in your own life. And so what we're called to then is not a short spurt. It's, it's the long distance. God is developing us to do this together for the distance. And so we're to be patient with three kinds of people. Let's talk about that first one. The first one is the person who is idle, okay? And that refers to those who sit around and they do nothing, but they demand everything. Okay, don't look at the person in your room right now who's idle, okay? Don't look at them. This is not about them right now. This is about us being patient with those who are, are idle. And you know, as Paul wrote that, he wrote to the church in Thessalonica who showed up and they listened to the word, but some among them just listened to it. They didn't follow the word. They didn't grow in the word. They were offered opportunities to serve others and they didn't. They just like to take from and not give to. They were kind of stuck in neutral, unmotivated, unmoved, stagnant. Again, welcome to my home. The dogs are barking. Okay, so the other aspect of this word has to do with a, a loafer. Okay, someone who sits around, so kind of like a couch potato. And you know, I have a loafer right here. And this is a shoe that I wear when I'm loafing around. I wear these when I wake up in the morning, before the day starts. These are what I wear for my devotionals and all that kind of stuff for breakfast and then I get ready. But the real shoe for my day and the real shoe for a marathon is a shoe like this, okay? You can't run a marathon in this. I saw a viral video of a bunch of guys running, um, running a, a marathon recently in size 40 shoes and they didn't even make it a mile, okay? Because the shoe you wear determines the distance you go. And so we're called away from idleness into action, away from unproductive, being unproductive, into being productive again. And so with someone who is idle, Paul says, admonish them, come alongside. Now, this word in the Greek isn't just pointed out, be frustrated and call them out and, and write them off and walk away. This word, admonish, is a patient word that comes alongside people and encourages them to, to join in, to be a part of something greater than just sitting around. And so when you admonish someone who's idle, you call them into being active. Now, we need this. We need patience with those who are idle 
because those the people who are idle are just not on our time zone. They're, they seem slower. Action seems delayed. Their pace is different than ours. And if you are impatient and productive, you will be annoyed, you'll be disappointed, you'll be easily frustrated, you'll be easily angered, uh, and, and you'll write people off and you'll walk, them, walk away from them. And, and the reality is, is we need people who are patient with people who are idle because they're going to have to have people around them. It says that when you warn them or admonish them, you come alongside them, you call them back in to the family and to the work of God. Okay, um, I just have to admit, I got up and um, found out that just someone was visiting I, in a lockdown. I mean, someone's visiting my house. So at any rate, uh, we're back. Okay, oh, the distractions. Welcome, welcome. Okay, so we're, the second group of people we're going to talk about is the faint-hearted, okay? That's the group that Paul talks about. And this word refers to people with a low threshold of fear. In other words, they're quick to run away. They're quick to be scared. They're quick to be triggered. Now, before you point about someone else, this is all of us, okay? There was a, there's a moment where just with all the stuff going on here in the house, um, I was like, man, I just lost my patience. And right here while I'm talking in a message, God is dealing with my heart. So with people who are easily scared, that those who are stronger, those who have courage are, are called to come alongside them and encourage them. Now think about this race again, this marathon. It's more than a sprint, right? So there's going to be a time when each of us are afraid or triggered by something and we, we're tempted to live, and we, sometimes we actually do. We live more out of fear than faith. And so to continue in the race, we need someone to come alongside of us and encourage us to keep running with us. And that's what God is doing. He's knitting us together. He's weaving us together as a family because we each need community. We need community. The courageous with the fearful, the bold with the bashful. How's God doing this? He's using us who have more courage to come alongside and encourage us, to share courage with those who are afraid. And so as that word that Paul uses is to encourage someone who's afraid. Now, when you come alongside and share a fear with someone, if you're someone who's easily scared, the faint-hearted, whenever you do that, you need an environment not of impatience. You don't need someone to say, well, get over it. You need someone who says, oh man, uh, Thanks for sharing that with me. And, and to do some active listening. And when someone who has courage who comes along, they can actually change the narrative that someone who is easily scared is processing or over-processing in their mind. So one of the things we're doing just as a staff is we're repurposing staff since we don't have a lot of programs going on now to actually come alongside people in our church and encourage them to make calls, to tap, build into relationships, and you may be getting a call. Or if you want a call right now, just through that thread, through the chat line, just give us a number or give us a, a connection where we can connect with you. Because we'd love to just simply ask the question, how are you doing? I mean, that's how we as ministers get to know people and to build into our, our whole congregation, our whole church family during this time of crisis. We want to encourage you. So admonish the idle, 
encourage the faint-hearted, and that last word is the weak. Now, what does this mean? This word, none of us like this word. I don't like this word because I like to view myself as strong. But this word is a word that describes a Christian who, when they hear the word, they may like the word, but they don't follow the word. And so they have little resistance in time of temptation. They easily fall. They easily walk away. Now, those who easily fall into temptation and sin, they may be new to the faith, or they may be someone who's been in the faith but, and know, should know better, but they still fall. And the word that we're called here to do with someone who's weak is to help them. We're to come alongside and help them. So why do we need patience when with the weak? Again, I want you to think about that marathon again and the development of God. God is developing us as a family in this marathon together. And in any family, there's younger and older. There's children, there's brothers and sisters, there's mothers and fathers, there's grandparents, there's aunts and uncles. And they have different maturities and they have different perspectives and different experiences. And we have the standard and we have the measure of Christ before us, but none of us meet those requirements. That's why we need Jesus. And so we're all, in a sense, weak. The gospel by its very nature is built on the weak, those who admit their need and put their faith and trust in Christ. Maybe that's you. Maybe you didn't realize that you don't have to be strong to come to Jesus. You can be weak. You, and, and when you admit your sin and you turn from it, you find the help of Jesus, that it's his perfection that becomes your righteousness. It's his work that becomes your uh, capacity through faith to have a relationship with God. So impatient people with weak, with weak people, if you're impatient with someone who's weak, you're quick to call them out. You're quick to walk away. You leave them in guilt and shame, which makes them feel alone and isolated. And yet, because we're relational, weak people will tend to hang out with the weak. They'll tend to do weak things. That's why we need the strong to come alongside the weak. That's why, not just to hear in 1 Thessalonians, but in multiple New Testament passages, Paul is saying, those who are strong should help the weak. And so as we do this, you will, we will find that the weak then are accepted back into the family, and the weak at least have a picture of what it's like to be strong. So we need people. We need people alongside of us at any different time. Maybe you're feeling weak now. You need someone to come alongside you and help you, to lend a hand to help those who are weak. So we talked about the idol, and we talked about the faint-hearted, and we talked about the weak. Welcome to Fellowship Bible Church. That's who we are. There's people in us that, in our church family, who, and, and we all go through times of being idle, faint-hearted, or weak. But those of us who are strong, those of us who are following Christ, are called to come alongside them. So I just want to put this where, wherever you're at in this perspective, okay? So if you are idle right now, or you feel that you're the most productive person on earth, if you're high capacity and a person who's idle just frustrates you. Here at the passage says, be patient with an idle person. Now, how is an idle person going to be more productive? Rarely will an idle person walk over to the productive person and say, teach me how to do this. It's going to have to be the strong person, the person who's productive to come alongside the idle and provide them through patience 
an opportunity back into the work of God. Now think again about the faint-hearted, okay? So you have the faint-hearted. People are easily scared. People are easily to walk away. And then you may feel very courageous. You may have just made... A, 10 posts on Facebook of how courageous you are during the coronavirus, okay? How does a faint-hearted person become more courageous? It's rarely that they'll walk over to the courageous person. No, it's going to take the person who has courage to patiently come to the person who's easily scared and encourage them, right? That's how God is going to do this. And so wherever you are, again, if you have, if you have a picture of, of someone who's weak or maybe you're feeling weak and, or maybe you see yourself on the spectrum of being a strong Christian, that's how you view yourself. You're strong through this. Again, the weak person is usually on the margins. They're usually feeling isolated. They're usually feeling like a failure. Rarely will they go, oh, I want to be with a strong person right now. The strong person has to be patient and through love come over to the weak person and help them. That's the whole picture of the gospel in our lives. It's the power of God coming through our weakness to bring us back into the love of God. So before, before, we, before I finish, I just want to remind you, you know, we're on day three and four of this Safer at Home order. We have 26 or 27 more days. And you think about a marathon, just ironically, I just thought about it now, it's 26.2 miles, okay? So we, we, each one of these marathon days is a, a mile for us. I want to encourage you, most marathon runners don't think 26.2 miles. They think one mile at a time, and they have a strategy for each mile. And I want you to encourage you, as, as we go deeper into this, there's going to be people who just want to give up and go idle. There's going to be people around you who are easily scared. There's going to be people who mess up and fail and do weaker things. But folks, we've got to be patient with them all, right? So I encourage you to take one day at a time where you say, this day, I'll be patient with the people around me. I'll seek, I'll seek forgiveness when I mess up, when I'm impatient, but I'll live by God's grace and mercy. And God's grace and mercy are new every morning. So each morning, just restart, reboot. Say, God, I don't want today to be like yesterday, or Lord, I'd like another day like yesterday, and be patient with them all. What could happen if God could develop patience in the midst of this, in the midst of this crisis? What could happen so that when we come out of this crisis, we're all stronger, we're all deeper in love because God is doing this. Why are we patient at all? Because God, what patience gives God time to grow us together in love. Patience gives God time to develop. So he's gonna develop us and I just, I'm excited about what he's going to do. And I'm, I'm, I'm gonna to tell you, I'm preaching to myself here. I need to follow this myself. And so I just want to encourage you and think right now, is there anyone, is there anything right now you need to confess to God to be patient about? Just confess that to him, just in the quietness. Confess, Lord, I need to be patient, more patient with this person. I need to be more patient with this circumstance. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father. I thank you so much for my church family. Thank you that they um, 
are following you. And Lord, we just understand we have people who are idle, people who are easily spooked and easily uh, faint-hearted. We have, we have people, some of us are just feeling weak through this whole crisis. And, and Lord, I just pray that you would knit us together and grow us deeper in love. Help us to use this as an opportunity that we don't waste a crisis, that this crisis actually builds character in us through patience. And we give Jesus all the glory and we give you all the honor before anything happens in the midst of this. And we look forward to you work and act in each of us. For it's in Christ's name I pray, amen. God bless you, church.